All right, McFarlane Energy, thanks so much for sponsoring the Bradfoe Show once again. And this time, they're doing it as we speak in San Diego. San Diego, the winter meetings. They're just wrapping up here. Boots on the ground here, Bradfoe Show. We had talked to Heim Bloom along with the other Boston uh, area writers. Got together with Heim Bloom, chief baseball officer up in the Red Sox suite. Winter meetings, that's how it works. Every single day they have the winter meetings. You have a get together with the GM or the president of baseball operation, or in this case, the chief baseball officer, and talk about what's what, what's going on. Usually there's a lot of cryptic talk. Um, there's a lot of trying to figure out what he said. And in this case, there was a couple things to take away. I mean, I think that the definitive, yes, we are in on Christian Vasquez, and we like Christian Vasquez. That's number one. Uh, also, Rafael Devers, this is not a back burner situation. And, of course, the... Uh, I don't want to say fending off, but certainly the answering of the questions about, hey, how do you look at finishing second in all these deals? You go down the list. You go down the list of all these deals that are happening. Red Sox aren't really able, other than Chris Martin, aren't really able to close a deal and, and with guys that you really think they're interested in. Andrew Heaney, well, as it turned out, I think Alex Spear was first on this, is that he had a better offer from the Red Sox. He chose to go to the Texas Rangers, wanted to be closer to his home, home of in Oklahoma. So you have instances like that. Matt Strom, he's going to the Phillies. Um, he's getting a good deal, a, a deal, a two-year deal the Red Sox weren't willing to pay. So you have these other guys, and you go keep going down the list. You have Mitch Hanniger, the outfielder, Seattle. Would It would have been a good fit, potentially, with the Red Sox. Well, he gets a three-year deal from the Giants. All of these things, I don't know if you know this, they did not land with the Red Sox. Well, Heimblum, it was, it was interesting to listen to him anyway, sit down, as they said, up in the suite. Those suites, too, by the way, it's, it's where like all the people in the organization are. So they have a couple of them, and they kind of like, by the time you get to the end of this, these few days of the winter meetings, it's kind of a mess, I mean, it's not a mess, but it's it's kind of like you can tell people they, they have to live up there. There's a lot of people going in and out in the organization. It's just a weird, weird situation. Situation. So what happens is that by the time the media gets up there, they put up a table. We all get around the table. High and Bloom's at the end of the table, and he answers the questions for a little bit. So, And that's exactly what happened. So what I want to do here, uh, because all we really have to go by is – Give me the list of guys who are signed, and I'll give you the list of guys who the Red Sox didn't get. And that's what happened on the second day of the winter meetings here in San Diego. So I think it's a worthwhile um, exercise or a worthwhile thing to listen to is just High and Bloom talking with the media. That I'll bring you a little behind the curtain. There you go. You're welcome. McFarland Energy, thank you once again for sending us out to the San Diego for the for the winter meetings. Brad Foe Show, subscribe, listen, rate, review. We'll keep it all coming. And we'll have more. We'll have more. And maybe we'll have a, a drop a midday Bradfoe show here before we before we take the red eye back from San Diego. But here you go. Here's here's the whole ball of wax when it comes to High Bloom. I guess do you understand kind of fan frustration about that and, and- how do you view that as like a we're coming up short or we're kind of have our hands and everything at this point? Totally, I understand it. I'd feel the same way if I were if I were a fan uh, sitting there watching it all unfold. Um, look, I do think, especially in this type of period where the activity is so frenzied, um, that's going to happen. And 
when it happens to the Boston Red Sox, it's likelier to be in the news than when it happens to just about anybody else. Um, the reality is that uh, this type of stuff is more common than people think. Different reasons why it happened, and there's there's some instances, including uh, you know even this year, where that type of stuff goes in your favor. Of course, people don't hear about that. Uh, they just see that you got the player. So I totally get it. Um, you know, obviously, we might feel different ways about certain situations. Uh, not everything you hear is true. Some of it is. Um, at the end of the day, like we're going to keep pursuing players we like. Um, if if we aren't, you know, occasionally pursuing guys that we don't get, then we're not in on enough guys. So, you know, what matters is ultimately how it ends and how it looks at the end of the offseason. Would you say at this point you're comfortable with? Like what you've been able to do versus you know the near misses, or are you frustrated compared to maybe another off season, or kind of what's the mindset of you know how you assess what you've been able to do at what you haven't been able to do? Well, there's a there's a couple. Yeah, I mean, look again. I don't think this is uncommon. Like even when yeah. you sit back at the end of the off season and say, man, I think we crushed this thing. There's still a couple things along the way where there's what ifs or frustrations. That happens all the time. A lot of it's now compressed in uh, in a shorter period. So there's been a couple that. You know, sure, in the moment are a little frustrating, and you know, there's others where, you know, it's just kind of how it is. Um, you know, we've had the benefit of this over time that, in some cases, uh, you want the players that want to play for you, and some some players really crave what Boston brings, and others are interested in the opportunity, or you know, the financial terms are there, but they want something that's different from our situation and, and different from the atmosphere that we have. And as history has shown, uh, you don't want to have bring players to Boston who don't want to play in Boston. When you're coming off a last place season and you're publicly saying that you could be adding as many as seven, eight, nine players to the roster and you finish second or third on a number of them, does that cause you to re-examine your process? Do you say, are we, are we being too disciplined here? Like, what, or, or does that come later when everything's done? Do you, can, can you afford to uh, re-examine what happens when you lose out on someone, however closely? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and again, in some cases, it isn't necessarily that, that you lost out. Mm -hmm. You're involved and the player had different preferences, and that's just, that, that's just the situation. Um, in fact, sometimes that can happen actually when you are the aggressor, and you're the one that brings the process to a head. Uh, and then the preferences of the player really come out at that point. Um, so, you know, there have been instances like that, but, you know, absolutely. Like the whole thing, I know 29 teams are in this, 20 other teams are in this hotel doing the same thing and in, involved in a lot of different things. You want to be. So, you know, sometimes you're involved in something and, uh, you know, you it, it doesn't happen and you're happy about that because what comes next. Uh, sometimes you're not. And you got to look at it all and constantly recalibrate as the offseason goes on. Where do you all stand in terms of like the catching market? You know, I know that's something that you alluded to toward the end of the season. You guys want to build up on just how is that going for you guys? Yeah, there's there have been some talks. Um, there are certain you know we're, we're in on the guys that we like, um, and then there's some guys that we like, but for whatever reason aren't the right fits for us. Um, and so you know we're trying to be selective with who we pursue. Again, this one I got asked about at the, after. Uh, right after the season, so it, it got a lot of focus. I don't see it as any different from a lot of other areas of our roster. 
you know, we have good options at that position. We should always be looking to get better everywhere. Um, and you know, that's gonna be easier in some places than others. So, so that's no different here. And there are a few guys um, that you know, we, they, or if they're free agents or their teams, if they're not, uh, you know, know that we have interest and uh, the timing on those and how exactly that progresses, we'll see. Um, but you know, we're certainly active in that, but that's no different from a number of other areas in the market. You said if you guys have interest in bringing Vasquez back, because so, you know you say you need a catcher. Is he one of the guys that we have interest in? Yeah, he is. What's the difference in your mind between on, on the international front having somebody who's a, a conventional free agent versus the posting system and the process, and how long the latter could take? Corresponding with the rest of the offseason tactic. Yeah, um, I think in in terms of how you go about the process and um, you know with the way the posting system is now, different from how it used to be, it really is kind of an open system where everybody can talk to the player. So from that aspect, it's really no different. Um, just because something can take a certain amount of time doesn't necessarily mean it will. So that's no different from free agency. It's probably nice that there is some sort of deadline at the very end of it. Um, you know, you know, if a player gets posted tomorrow, you know this thing's not going to creep into February or March, uh, and that's good. But it obviously could resolve a lot sooner too. So, but I think in terms of uh, the process with the player, with the player's representatives, you go about it the exact same way. There's been a lot of talk about Sean Murphy as like the best catcher in the trade market. Is he a guy you're targeting? Maybe more broadly, would you pursue like a? A star catcher potentially like that? Um, yeah. So when it comes to players with other teams, I obviously can't get into uh, you know any of those guys in specific. Uh, it's against the rules. Um, but um, the trade market is is a real avenue for us to improve. I said this from the beginning. I think um, you know things are going to happen on different timetables, but the best offseason we can have is going to involve a mix of different avenues to add talent. Um, so that's certainly one we're looking at, and the, the more impactful the player, the better. A lot of times with those players, um, you know, to the extent that the return involves other big league pieces you have, which it often does for star players, you have to look at you know, how worth it is it to Rob Peter to pay Paul, or you ultimately still get into your, to your end point of having the team you want to have. Um, but at the same time, you want those players, you're, you're, it's going to hurt to go get them, and if it's the right player, you should do it. How do you view the DH role and sort of the vacancy there and whether or not you're pursuing one guy to fill that role given some of maybe the power that you had lacking last year? How does that all factor in? Or if you are kind of looking at it as multiple guys could rotate through that position? Depends on the guy. Depends on the guy. We talked about that, I think, both AC and I right after the season, and that is how we're looking at it. Um, you know, certain targets could fit and just occupy the role. And then there's, you know, we want to make sure we have somebody we like in that spot every day. It's an offensive position. Um, so we need to make sure that we're, we're spoken for and taken care of there. There are benefits to being able to get, you know, some of your better hitters off their feet and rotate them through the spot. But even if you're doing that, you still want to have uh, somebody or multiple somebodies on the roster that you envision in that spot all the time because you want your guys who play the field to play the field regularly. Would Hosmer be a guy that you think about as, as someone that would share that role with someone if he's still on the roster at that point? Yeah, you know, I think with 
really all the guys that we have. Um, again, a lot of the guys who, when when a lot of what they bring to the table is is at the plate, uh, those are all guys who are candidates to rotate through it, and it helps as you go through the season. Um, you know, we saw it this past year. There were times when, you know, some of our lineup anchors were kind of worn down because um, they played the field a lot. And it's awesome when you have players that want to play and don't want to take days off. But it, it does take a toll. It does come out somewhere. The game is, is so grueling now with everything that, uh, you know, takes out of these guys to where it's nice sometimes to be able to get them off their feet. Anything new with Bogarts uh, since yesterday is kind of status quo? Yeah, nothing, nothing uh, new to report, you know, on ongoing conversation. I'm still engaged. When you met with Scott, did he drink pessimism wine? Um, no. Uh, I, can, I, I will report that he did not. I don't want to speak for Scott, but I don't think he'd mind my sharing that he was not drinking uh, pessimism wine. Hmm. Um, were, you know, uh, were, were the conversations with Scott uh, mostly around Bogarts, or are you, like, you know, what are they brought up with that? Definitely broader. Um, you know, they have uh, a number of really talented players that fit us in different ways. Obviously, you know, Bogey was the uh, first guy we talked about, but um, there's a number of other guys that, that we covered. Um, I, uh, you know, I, I heard that you guys were very involved in uh, trade talks for a second baseman who moved elsewhere. Um, in general, uh, how would you characterize what your interest has been? Like, what would, if you were to acquire an everyday second baseman, uh, someone who has the profile of an everyday second baseman, should that be viewed as the terminus of Xander Bogarts? No, uh, nothing we've explored um, is has been anything that, that would have closed the door uh, on Bogey. Um, I think if, you know, given our goals of wanting to add a lot of different talent to this team, um, we need to look at different ways to do it. We need to be involved uh, in different guys. and. If that puts us in a position where we have uh, you know, too many talented infielders, for example, that's that is a position we'll be happy to uh, to figure out what to do with. Um, but nothing we've nothing we've looked at without addressing anything specifically. There's nothing that we've looked at, explored, pursued any of that, um, even kicked the tires on that would that would close the door uh, on Bogey. A lot of people talk about dominoes. Do you think there's a domino? Sitting out there, you know, and I know that you can't mention names, but I'll mention the higher end guys and the judges of the world, those or the shortstops. Or do you feel like one guy is going to sort of push the other high end guys along? Yeah, that'll definitely happen. I don't know necessarily with who, uh, and it may not be all of them, um, but that happens very regularly. Um, and you know, sometimes either knowing that it's about to happen or anticipating it. <laughs> That it might happen sometimes leads us to uh, to do certain things. There's um, an example of that that hopefully we will uh, we'll get across the finish line pretty soon. That you know we pursued anticipating you know that we could get more out in front of a of a run. Um, you know that happened last year with Michael, where you could see the early stages of a run on starters coming and. Uh, we decided to hone in really aggressively on somebody that we saw upside with and go get them before the market for them had matured. So you feel like you might be on the verge of being out ahead of that, you said? Um, one thing about the, about this week, about the, the last week plus, you, you, you definitely shouldn't be counting any chickens until they've hatched. So, you know, I'm not ready to say that, but that's definitely something that we're paying 
close attention to. You're referring to the move that kind of already broke a few or, or something else. What's that? Are you referring to the, with the thing that kind of broke a few days ago or, or something else? Oh, no, just generally speaking. Well, there's, there's been some reporting that some names that you might be linked to trade-wise would require uh, a package of major league ready players rather than prospects. I think the <coughs> assumption has been that deals you'll make will, will be more likely involving prospects, but What's the level of interest that you found to be guys off your major league roster and the trade talks you've had? Um, it's been heavy in a lot of cases. Um, I think the thing we need to look at is, okay, if we, it's great that there's interest in this player, but if we move him, where does that leave us and are we actually better off? Uh, obviously, if you think the answer is yes, then we'll pursue something. But we're trying to add to the group, not subtract from it. Have there been any merit to taking a swing at a guy like Verlander or you know, even Judge or guys of that magnitude. Yeah, absolutely. What do you mean? Is there like any... You know, to, to, for you guys, to, I know some of those guys have already made the choices, but for the Sox to have taken a swing at a guy like that, even though it might not necessarily, you know, you're talking about adding multiple guys. Like, could you have, could you do a deal like that? And get one of those, big, you know, guys going to command $30 million a year? Yeah, absolutely. We, you know, we have the ability to do that. I think when, you know, without getting into too much detail, like when you look at you know what? Uh, you know we fully expect to do this offseason in terms of financial resources. It's not going to have precluded us from any one guy. It's it's really more a question of what's the best way for us to put together the team that we want and make sure we're doing it in the right way. You guys trying to add? You know, obviously you're trying to add you know, seven to nine or whatever. Um, where does that lead to endeavors? Like as far as what you can, can you be engaged with them right now, or you kind of have to put that more on? Backward until you kind of fill your needs for, for next year's team? Um, it's definitely not a back burner topic for us. Um, you know, again, as as we said, um, until there's something with him, nothing I say really matters, but it's definitely not a back burner topic. Um, needless to say, I think when there's other things happening in the business, really on both sides, both for clubs, for agents. You know, sometimes it's hard to buckle down on things that don't have the same deadline, but you know, we view this as a, a top line urgent item for us, even though it has it is not um, an open market and even though it's not tied to any off season deadline. When you met with Scott, did he suggest to you that the socks without X are so so? <laughs> <laughs> I, I saw that. No, um, he did not use uh, the, that specific terminology. <laughs> How do you feel about the how do you feel about the uh, the proposition that the Sox without Xander Bogart like yeah do you feel like in the absence of you've surely game planned out what you would have to do if uh, if your top priority does not return uh, what's your confidence level that you can be a contending team postseason team without it? We think we're going to be good. Um, we hope it's with Xander. We really do. Um, if that doesn't work out, we're still intent on being a playoff caliber team, and uh, it'll, it'll just have to look different. How would you assess the progress? I know there's a lot of things going on since you've been here. Like, do you feel like in the last 24 hours you've gotten close to things or closer to things? Or um, Again, like kind of what I told Rob, like it's, uh, you know, you don't want to say anything until you have, uh, you know, great confidence because sometimes it feels like you're close and you're not. And uh, sometimes out of nowhere, something that you thought was going to happen next week or the week after comes to a head and uh, you have a chance to go get a player. Um, 
you know, certainly I, I would say I think we know a lot more about um, what's real and what's not, you know, what something might take, and if it's something that actually aligns with, you know, something we should do. Um, but I don't want to say until we actually know that we are making a move if we feel we're close on anything or not. How, how much are you following the, uh, the judge situation just because of what an impact that could have on the division if, you know, he leaves the Yankees, especially if he goes, you know, the other, the other league? Yeah, I mean, look, it, I, I believe that, you know, it's not my job to take their inventory, but the way that we're going to operate is that this is going to be a good division, and the New York Yankees are going to be a really good team, whether they have Judge or not. Um, and so that's how we're trying to operate. We need to have a team that can compete. Morris, uh, I think, was saying that he feels like Bogarts could adapt well over the course of a lengthier contract because he has the ability to potentially move to second or third base. Is that like how how much of how much of that has factored into um, your thought process in terms of having a shortstop, but also potentially a future shortstop down the line that's in your pipeline, and where you could fit Bogarts in the future? Yeah, that I, I don't think the pipeline should factor into that stuff at all. Um, that's you know that's the nature of baseball is that there is a lag time between when you get talent in your system and when it actually plays for you in the big leagues, and things take all different paths. Uh, trying to look out multiple years over what could happen positionally and compare it to what you have in the pipeline to me is a fool's errand. It just distracts from what we're you know building the 2023 team that we need to be good. Um, you know, you've seen it with some of the, you know, some of the guys we brought in the system out of the draft. Um, you know, we get we get Marcelo in 21, and then we take Mikey this year, and people are, you know, saying oh, another shortstop. What does that mean? It means a lot of really good high school players, a lot of really good college players too, play shortstop because um, it's a demanding position, and that's where the best athletes are often found. Um, and if you can hoard those guys, you give yourselves a lot of paths for a lot of good things to happen. So we love we love Marcelo. Think the world of him. He's not a factor in how we're thinking about uh, this you know, building our twenty twenty three team. How do you then view, I guess, just Bogart's ability to potentially play second or third base and kind of how you evaluate him in, in one of those roles down the line? Yeah, I mean, he's no doubt that that he could do it. Obviously, he, uh, he won't see him doing this anymore. But he played played well on the second base side of the bag. Uh, I know played third base early in his career. Um, if he's back here, he'll be our shortstop. And then we'll, if we need to think about that differently down the road, we will. Obviously, the value of a big contract impacts others in that position, right? And whether it's AAV or, or total value, monetary value. The fact that Turner got 11 years, what do you think that does to the rest of the shortstop class in terms of driving you know, other agents? for deals longer than perhaps they would have before that. It's going to be, I think, really individual to the match of agent, player, and club. Um, you know, look, I think you can look at last offseason as a perfect example where you never really know how it's going to go. You had um, you know, two guys who were two of the, the you know, maybe the two consensus you know, top shortstops on the market, depending on who you ask. And one of them signed the deal, and one of them is free agent again this year. And there's different paths people can pursue. 
sometimes the market helps dictate that. Sometimes it's individual preference. Uh, there are players who would love to have more bites at the apple and want to get back on the market, and there are players who, when they hit free agency, they want to go through the process once and find a home and put down roots, and that's really important to them. Um, so, uh, you know, it, it's very individual. And certainly, there's no question. Um, oftentimes, guys are looking at other players in the same position as comparables, and you hear about that in conversation, but it's still really individual. How do those guys find a match that they feel good about, that the team feels good about? And sometimes the market has a lot of bearing on it, sometimes it doesn't. The Dodgers are said to be willing to go to higher AAVs and shorter deals on some of their free agent negotiations the last couple of years. Is that a tactic that you've discussed in and subscribe to it all in any of your dealings with free agents? Yeah, yeah, very much depends on the situation. Um, it works when it fits for the club and when the player wants it. Um, some players prefer it, uh, some players don't. Philosophically, what are you looking for in a player that determines when you're aggressive in terms of being willing to spend a lot of money on a contract? Is there something specifically that you look for in a guy that makes it easier for you to be willing to be aggressive in offering him you know, large sums of money or longer term deals. You mean like besides just how good we think he is yeah, yeah. at baseball? Yeah. Um, that's yeah. number one um, is talent. Um, you know, beyond that, uh, it really gets to, uh, look, these, these types of things are not just about uh, signing a player to a contract. They're also about really committing yourself uh, to a human being. And what you think of that person is really important. Um, I, and I think, look, mo most of the time, a lot of the reason these guys are where they are is because they are really impressive people and not just really good baseball players. And so you know, most, in, in a typical year, most free agents are going to check that box. Uh, but that's really important, um, is how, how would you feel about having this person be one of the key people representing your organization for a long time? Uh, and you know, do you have confidence that having checked that box of you know, security for a lifetime, that they're going to be about winning? Is there any concern when you're out negotiating contracts about you know perception in certain corners of the industry that you know the team hasn't been aggressive in certain ways in terms of acquiring players or being willing to spend money? To, you know, just given the way that you guys have approached the deadline in recent years, or just the way that contract negotiations have, negotiations have played out. Um, certainly not with how anything's played out this year, um, you know, or for past years for that matter, but in terms of what we've been talking about with some of what's happened over the past couple of weeks, not at all. Um, I can say, you know, when we do talk to players, when, when it gets into conversations, you know, we, we like to make it pretty easy for them to ask us those questions and get in front of things that might be on their minds because we don't think that should be a concern and we don't, and if they do, we want to talk about why. Um, we talked about it yesterday. I think a lot of where we've been in terms of the talent we pursued and you know the commitments we've willing to make or not make while I've been here has been mostly a function of where the organization was. You know where we were in the cycle of complementing young talent uh, both through the system and, and young talent in the big leagues with some of these bigger commitments that you know when you combine those well, you know that's how you win in in a large market. And you know simply put for a while, I, I don't think we were in a position where it made sense to consider those commitments because we didn't have the complete team to back it up. 
and then you know you've seen us as we've gone where we're, we've been in a better and better position to do that um, you know, we made that sort of a commitment uh, you know this past March and as we've talked about uh, I know again it doesn't guarantee anything until we do something but um, you know we do feel like we're in a better position to think about those types of commitments and actually think of them not just as deals we could do but deals we can win with when you're in negotiations with a variety of players is there any sort of consideration in regards to obviously there's like the long-term building and trying to build something sustainable but also something that a move that the fans can get excited about is that, is that something that ever comes across in kind of your thought process like hey like obviously this is something that maybe potentially burdens us down the road in terms of market, you know, money committed in you know, seven to eight years down the road, but it's also going to make fans happy in this moment. Is that something that comes across in your thought process? Yeah, we have a, a, we're in the entertainment business. If we're not factoring that in, we're not doing our jobs. We have incredible fans. We want them to be happy. Now, if we do something that will make them happy because we made a move, but then it's actually not going to help us win, and it's not going to make us as good as they expect us to be, that's not a good way to do business. So hopefully they intersect. Sometimes there are moves that we might like that people are going to shrug their shoulders about and we still need to make those moves we think that they're gonna help us win. Um, and there's been some examples of those you know, when I've been here that have been really impactful. You hope they intersect. Uh, you just need to make sure that at the end of the day we're doing things that are gonna help us win baseball games. You guys have an opening on your staff, coaching staff. Do you think they'll be internal to replace or? Uh, not sure yet. Um, you know, especially with a lot of the other things going on and the player side of things, um, you know, we, we we sort of set that aside for the moment. Uh, we want to come back and obviously address it soon so that uh, we can uh, you know, move forward with our with a complete staff. Certainly, you know, in the wake of everything with, with Will, with Ramon, um, you know, people are going to be taking on, you know, different responsibilities. I think it'll be good, you know, for the group. People get to step up and, and do different things. Uh, but whether the staff will be complete with who we have internally, we don't we don't know yet. You're open to a rule five pickup tomorrow? Yeah, I don't it's early to say if we're gonna we're gonna do that or not, but something we've discussed. Based on where you guys are at, you're coming up with a last place finish, you know, with the number of major league roster spots um, to fill. How important how much are you how much does it change where you stand in terms of like finding guys with untapped upside you know, guys who maybe their recent performance or you know or potential has not been what we what you would need uh, versus certainty of performance, recent performance. I get what you're saying, but I think uh, you know really it still needs to just come back to what do we think these guys are going to do next, whether that's similar to what they just did or whether it's not, um, and projecting them as best as we can. To win, you need a mix of both. You know, frankly, we've talked about it. There, there's talent that we have in the organization already um, that we believe, our coaching staff believes, uh, is capable of producing more than it just did. So we have some of those guys internally, and it's on us to get more out of them. Obviously, some of that's on them too, but it's on us to do everything we can to put them in a position um, to reach that potential. So we certainly have some guys like that internally. Um, we shouldn't shy away from pursuing those guys externally. If you want to have a really, really good season, you're going to need to hit on some guys like that, in addition to guys who are more proven performers. Uh, 